Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the changing nature of universities and how they're not just places of education anymore, at least not the education that it just used to be limited to. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. My guest this week is Eamon Curtin of Ignite at UCC. Eamon, how are you? I'm great, Jonathan. Thank you. Uh, good to have you here. This is a kind of a thing I've banged on a bit for some time. That when I went to college, all 266 years ago, it was a case of you got your degree, now bugger off, would you? Thanks for coming. It's changed. And one of the ways it's changed has been through programmes like Ignite. What does Ignite do? We work with recent graduates who finish college, have an idea they want to develop. They want to turn it into a a commercial, sustainable business, in some cases, maybe even a social innovation project. And we give them the opportunity over 12 months to develop that idea. Um, Typically, the guys that we work with are after finishing a PhD, perhaps a master's, maybe a bachelor's degree. And often, but not exclusively, the idea has maybe stemmed from their final year project or a master's project or maybe is associated with some of the research work that they've done. Although in some cases, it may be totally detached from what they might have studied. So it's a little light bulb moment that they would have had during their education that they could have taken somewhere else. But you're keeping it in house. You're, you're, You're kind of bringing it into the protective glass house of the university structure. Um, to a certain degree, yes, but there's also an element of moving people beyond the student's life. So um, the challenge we have to face is that while we're operating out of the university, we're very much impressing on people. They're business people. They're in the real world. They need to behave as such. So we've got the the nice balance, if you like, between having access to the resources that the university um, provides on the one hand, um, but creating a an opportunity to engage with entrepreneurs and business people to get exposure to, shall we say, the real world as well. Entrepreneurship was seen in my day in college uh, as something that you might turn your hand to later on. Or if if your parents had been there before, you you go into the family business and you become an entrepreneur Mm. that way. The idea of being a native entrepreneur, i.e. coming straight out into the world as a fully formed entrepreneur, what wasn't there? What changed? What what made universities realise, hang on a second, there's more we can do here with these people? I I think, and I suppose (coughs) we'll talk about it in terms of the universities, but I think it's fair to say, uh, that Ignite, while it would have been driven out of the university, was in the early stages and continues to be very much developed as a regional programme supported by Cork City Council, Cork County Council, the local enterprise offices and Bank of Ireland. And so while we're situated within the university, it's a regional programme that's open to actually graduates from any third level institution. So um, that said, in the early stages, it would have been about recognising that we have graduates leaving college, not able to get jobs. And if we can provide them the opportunity to create self-employment for themselves and maybe go on to create employment for others, that that's better than them leaving the country and that talent being lost. Let's talk about you and how you fell into this. What's your background? What did you study in college, for example? What I studied electronics engineering um, back in the good old day where career guidance probably amounted to you're good at maths, you'll do engineering. <laughs> uh, and I got sent off to the National Institute for Higher Education in Limerick at the time, which it subsequently became University of Limerick. Um, And following that, I I started with digital equipment. Most people look blankly when you talk about digital equipment now, but not realising it was the apple of its day. Uh, I spent five years there in product development and then moved into engineering management and 
spent 10 years with Moog where I broadened my management expertise and experience. So I in guess. other words, like everybody else, a young fella, you were full of ideas and, and but you'd know, know where to go with them really, had you? So, uh, look, electrical engineering is a great job and, and it, it gave you that grounding that you had but did, did you feel somewhat stunted yourself that you had to go and work for someone? Yeah, I think there was two, maybe two or three things that came about. The first is um, working in in multinational companies. Over time, I became exposed to entrepreneurs. Um, I began to meet people who had started businesses and there were sub-suppliers into the electronics industry uh, in Ireland at that point in time. Um, and I was always intrigued by many of these people didn't necessarily have a formal business education or formal management education. I was coming from an environment where we had very, we were very strategic in our approach to management. And I was curious to see how could what I was using in large multinational companies be brought to bear to help owner-managed businesses grow. And I suppose after that, then the role that I had within my employer was involved in acquisitions. So I was involved in a couple of situations where we had taken on entrepreneur led startups that had grown to a certain level. And I was uh, my job was to figure out what had we bought and how do we integrate it within the large organisation. But what I was intrigued by, what was it that had that that entrepreneur build the business to that level and then get to a point where they couldn't move it on anymore? So so that stuff was going on on the one hand. I suppose fair to say I did an MBA in UCC at that point in time and we did an entrepreneurship module and that exposed me to the, the theory of entrepreneurship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and fair to say that in finishing the MBA, I went in in a, in a senior role with a multinational company and I came out a self-employed management consultant um, working specifically with owner-managed businesses. So that would have been instrumental in that change of direction. We have lived and are living through another industrial revolution uh, and you know you were probably at the cutting edge of that working out what digital devices were back in the day when we didn't know what they were now everybody has them in their pockets um, they dictate everything and we have a digital native generation coming through our university right now so the, the timing couldn't be better and when we look at the list of companies that you've worked with uh, through the Ignite programme a lot of them are tech. A lot of them are startups using technology very intelligently in a way that hasn't been done before or couldn't even have been conceived of before. Is that a fair assessment? Of what that, that's a fair assessment. I, I, it depends to a certain extent on how narrow, how broad your definition of tech is. I mean, ultimately, the guys that we work with, we want them to have the potential to scale. And to scale is going to involve harnessing technology. It's as simple as that. So if there isn't some aspect of tech involved, they won't be able to scale. And we want to encourage businesses that have the potential to scale. One of the first interactions I had with Ignite a couple of years ago um, was with somebody who is now one of your most celebrated uh, graduates. Uh, uh, and that's Apris Protect and uh, Fiona Edwards-Murphy, who is just brilliant. Because I remember the first time everyone was talking about the bees getting sick and the world was obsessed with this. And then she was putting technology into the hives that first of all you had to check and then all of a sudden it was using mobile phone technology to send information back on the hive. And now, in more recent times, she's sent it literally into space so that we can monitor bee populations from space. I mean, when you first saw that coming through, did you straight away go, I see that, I know what that is? Yeah, I guess when we see something like coming through, we are aware of the fact that it has potential. But I don't think that I'd be so bold as to say that we knew exactly where that was going to go. I think ultimately we look for someone that we think has a good idea, that an idea that's engaging enough 
to be able to interact with the market, be able to interact with customers. And an individual that's ambitious enough, that's uh, smart enough and that's adaptable enough, uh, I'm going to say to go with the flow, but to be able to take soundings from the market to begin to understand where the new opportunities lie. Um, and over time, someone who becomes well connected. I mean, there is a question about the more successful that you are, the more likely people mm. are going to come to you then with suggestions as to what you might be able to do or proposals and have to collaborate. Every good idea has to have currency. There's, I mean, there's no point in me inventing a new steam engine right now because nobody wants a steam engine. So therefore, you know, Fiona had it bang on on bees. Uh, you know, you take somebody like Quick Minutes, which is another company that's, that, that you've, um, you've supported, Daniel Donovan's time management firm uh, for meetings. So in other words, so your, your meeting doesn't become a long, winded, drawn out thing. They've put tech in there. So it's about identifying people who can respond to a need in the market that mightn't even be identified as a need yet. It is, but I guess in the early part of our engagement with people is is they start with something and it's where that leads them to. So I think it's fair to say that in both cases, the original proposal that they would have come into us with would have been quite different to what they've ended up with. But it would have been strong enough to allow them to start to engage with customers and then to a certain extent, the best advice is keep your mouth shut and your ears open and listen to what the customers are telling you and let that then help you identify the compelling problem that they're trying to solve and then provide a solution for that and then they'll pay you for it. It's one of the biggest challenges facing entrepreneurs, the idea that they might not be fully correct. Um, that, you know, that, that somehow they think that, well, of course, this is what the customer wants. When in reality, the customer kind of wants a variation on it, but it's not necessarily what you're offering them. And being able to, you know, maybe say, I might be wrong. I mean, like that, that, that instinct is not there for most people. Is, is that one of the things that you can do in Ignite is you can teach them that, that they otherwise would learn from the school of hard knocks as opposed to UCC? Yeah, I, 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 I sometimes say that we don't teach anybody anything, but we provide opportunities within which they learn. Um, and I think a key thing there, and, and one of the things that strikes me is that all aspects of entrepreneurship, it's about balance and it's about picking an appropriate uh, behaviour at an appropriate point in time. So if you take something like that, I expect someone that has an idea to be committed to their idea. I expect them to be confident. Okay. But then they might be confident with an idea that isn't necessarily going to be commercially successful. So then they need to be adaptable to be able to recognise, OK, I still have that self-confidence and I'm going to do some good, but actually I need to be prepared to sit back and listen to what people are telling me to take in a direction. So it's... but Do, do they listen, though? I mean, that's the key, the key thing, because, again, you, you've spent 12 months perfecting a box and then somebody turns around and says, I don't like that side of the box, it's the wrong colour. I mean, that's a hard thing to say. You might be right, but I like the box. Yeah, the successful ones will listen. That's because they probably won't be as successful otherwise. I guess the way we run the programme, though, is to resist the temptation to go too far down the line developing the box and to spend a bit more time in the early stages engaging with the customers. How how many startups and founders have you had passed through the programme. You're, what, 10 years in now at this point, aren't We're, you? We're, yeah, the, the, the first programme kicked off in 2011, yeah. Um, so we've worked up to this point in time, we've worked with 100 startups, 
we've 20 that we're working with at the moment and right now we're open for applications to bring in other 10 on stream come April timeframe. When you look at this bunch, right, again, mm. digital natives, a lot of them very clever. Uh, they've obviously passed through the university system and you think back to Eamon Curtin in his denim jeans just after graduating in electrical engineering. What's the biggest difference between this generation and, and yours? Apart from the genes. Uh, and the hair. And the hair. Um, I think when I was graduating, there was a very strong focus and encouragement to get a job. Jobs were more difficult to get at that point in time. Lots of the guys I graduated, their first job was abroad. Uh, and so to have a job in a large multinational company, you were considered to be lucky and that wasn't something you were going to turn down. Um, I think upbringing and environment is going to be a factor. Both my parents worked in the public sector. Um, my uncle was an entrepreneur and was almost the black sheep of the family. Well, yeah, you'd be a failure if you didn't get a job. You need a job yeah. in the bank. So, Go get a job in the bank, then you'll be grand. Yeah. So that was very much the culture at that point in time, unless you happen to have a, a family upbringing that where business was, was there. I think now people are far broader uh, in their career aspirations. I think we've got strong role models that our students are thinking if they can do it, I can do it. Um, and I think, and the phrase I sometimes use is the doors of the university are far wide open before, the, uh, far wide open than they were before. So we've got a far greater diverse of students coming through, coming from disadvantaged backgrounds, coming from mixed social backgrounds, perhaps even coming, uh, having overcome educational um, uh, difficulties uh, and as a consequence they're far more open to what we might consider to be the non-traditional career opportunities as well so um, something with, with dyslexia who does a commerce degree isn't necessarily going to get a job in in a, in a big four um, 10 years ago they wouldn't mm. have done a commerce degree When you look at the, this way of providing a living, okay. So try entrepreneurship. You may end up falling in under an innovation platform within a bigger organisation. Give it a go. Mm. Um, we're, we're at probably the the top end of this current economic cycle, and let's work on the assumption that what goes up must go down. How well suited and prepared are they for the darker days ahead? Because if they're told it's the land of milk and honey, if you do it yourself, you know they might get a bit of a land when the economy does go south, and they'd be regretting that they didn't take the job in the bank. Mm. I don't. Yeah, I, I. I don't think it's presented as a land of milk and honey. Um, and I think anyone that takes the steps to start a business today finds that it's a it's a hard road, and there are knockbacks, and the resilience that they develop and or discover, and the adaptability that they learn in trying to do that is going to stand them a good stead. Come any knockbacks that they might get due to economic downturn at some point in the future. So I think it. It's, it's character forming, if you want to put it like that. Um, are, are you inspired by this group? I mean, you, you speak very highly of them because yeah. you're, you're on the journey with them, but it's their journey, not yours. Uh, you know, did, does that get you sometimes that you go, oh, God, I'd love to be doing that now. I'd love to be with them and keep that going. But there's another crowd that you need to help stand it behind. Um, yeah, it does get to me, but 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 I think you know, as as we've one crew coming in, we, we the program we run, we take in a cohort every six months. There's a twelve month overlap, so actually you're you're 
you're working and working with two groups at the same time, one of which moves on, but there's still the group that you're working with to focus on and there's a new group following after that. So I guess the, the temptation maybe to think about like that is, isn't quite there. That said, I think one of the things we've developed over the years is we've a very strong cohort of startups that have been through the programme who are very supportive of what we're trying to do. So there's a there's a really engaged community of individuals. Danny O'Donovan and Fiona Edwards Murphy you mentioned, but you know, I could list off another twenty names of people who've been through the programme who will come back in and ask act as guest speakers, come in as mentors, provide advice on what their experience in raising investment, those kinds of things. And that becomes really hmm. valuable. So I guess the fact they come back means they're we're and still engaged. There's always the possibility that the next big thing could be just about to walk in the door. Um you're currently open for applications. How do people get in contact with you? Uh, easy thing to do first off is to take a look at ignite.ucc.ie and that's where I'll find all the information about the programme. Um, you'll get contact details for the office so if they want to set up a meeting um, they can make contact like that. There's all the details on how what the application process is and the deadlines. They'll find it all there. OK, well, Eamon, uh, great stories come out of Ignite and we look forward to hearing about many more in the years ahead. Eamon Carton of Ignite at UCC. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Jonathan, thanks a million. My thanks to Eamon, ignite.ucc.ie, if you think it might be for you. Uh, don't forget you can download every episode of Red Business from redextra.ie. Neil Hennessy was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.